Welcome to Intro to Briscoe. I'm Matt, and not joining me today is Melanie. She's uh, off getting her inheritance from a, a family member who died and left her the keys to the big uh, lobster factory uh, back in her hometown. So that's where she is. Not <laughs> now she's sick. And uh, joining me today is a uh, newbie co-host, Will. Hello. And Caitlin. Howdy. And today we're joined by a last-minute special guest, Bob. Hi. Yay. Hi. Hey, thanks, Bob. You totally weren't expecting this tonight, I bet. Uh, no, I, I wasn't. Uh, yeah, hope I can get through it okay. <laughs> I'm sure you're fine. You're a Briscoe uh, veteran, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, well, um, let's check out the high and low point winners of the previous episode, which is Hard Rock. And the low point winner is uh, Will and Caitlin's choice of whip messing with plans. So it's yeah. just, just whips general being annoying. <laughs> right. And uh, the high point episode is uh, Caitlin and Harold. Uh, Caitlin, you win twice. <laughs> Caitlin yes. And Harold's uh, choice of bowler versus the bear, which uh, is a good one. Yeah. I had to rethink my strategy because I used to win them all the time, then I won nothing, so I'm like, okay, we just better team up now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is both both for team ups. <laughs> yeah. Well bowler versus anything usually does very well. Bowler versus a rattlesnake, bowler versus a bear. Yep. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, this episode is called Brooklyn Dot oh, the Brooklyn Dodgers. Um and it begins in the very I think one of the very first things we see is Tiny Harmony Kendall. Yay! Yes. Yay. <laughs> so, uh, what's the uh, actress's name? Mercedes McNabb. McNabb. And I think that her full name in the credits. I can't remember what her middle name is. Alicia. Right. Yeah. Yes. I. Did you guys recognize her right away, or did it take a sec? Yeah. It's Harmony. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I recognized yeah. her right away, but then I was like second guessing. I'm like, am I sure it's her? But then when she started talking, I'm like, yep, that's her. <laughs> yeah, I was sure it's her, but I'd seen her before this in one of the Adams Family uh, movies. Mm. She was a villain. Oh, I think I think I can picture that now that you mention it. Yeah, her bugging little Wednesday or whatever. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> um. So uh, yes, these kids. Uh, her and her brother, who I looked up on IMDb, and he his face looks familiar, and I couldn't... I don't see anything I would recognize him in in IMDb. Yeah, I didn't realize they were brother and sister at first. I thought they were a young couple <laughs> running off. <laughs> a very young couple. Yes. Let's elope. It's elope for seventh grade or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fad these days. Yeah. Uh, but yes, these two are stealing apples. And uh, then uh, Briscoe and Bowler arrive in town to pick up some guy named Yasmin. And uh, Bowler's got some anger problems about this man. I thought it was odd they gave this, like, this storyline at the beginning here. Didn't take it anywhere. Like, there seems to be, like, he never gets this pissed off with anybody else. But it's just this Yasmin guy. Uh, Hmm? Did I ever say what he did? I don't think so, did they? I don't think so. He just rubs Buller the wrong way. Yeah, usually the guys that get the mad are members of Bly's gang or something. I mean, this was just nobody. Yeah. Um, but he goes uh, he goes through the window, <laughs> as usual, because <laughs> he made fun of Buller's hat. 
Or actually, he just told him it was a nice hat, but I guess it was the, the context. Yeah. <laughs> it was the way he said it. Yeah. <laughs> and then they tell him he's arrested while he's unconscious. Right, yeah. And then uh, Briscoe stops uh, the kids from stealing uh, Comet and... What do we establish Bowler's Horse's name was? Lord Stallion? Yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I think so. Yes, they're being stolen, or maybe it's just Comet being stolen. I can't. Yeah, remember. I think they were just on Comet, but Comet pretty stopped himself stopped himself from being stolen. <laughs> Did he? I don't know. It looked like he waited for Briscoe to to whistle at him. Well. I think he probably knew what was going on. He would have given him the runaround like he eventually did later. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> but you'd think he just wouldn't take off at all. <laughs> if that was he case. has a bit of like a, a mischievous side to him too, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take you around, but I'm going to take you through all the thorn bushes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, uh, they try to steal Comet. That doesn't work out for them. And... Uh, uh, I think this is after the... Or yes, they, they stop them, and uh, again, Bowler's hat is uh, referred to as nice. Yeah. <laughs> Which is bad. Nice equals... Bowler just needs to learn how to take a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> that one for sure was sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after the credits, um, what's the chapter heading? Heavy Metal, chapter one. <laughs> what's that referred to? I think it was... I figured it was the um, the vest they had on when they were oh, getting shot, maybe. but maybe not. Oh, yeah. Ooh, the shovels. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's a little reaching. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe it was the mine for a sec. I don't know. But you're probably right about the shovels. Uh, so the, uh, the guy, the kid, is named Tommy, and his uh, sister's name is Shannon. Um Tommy punches Bowler in the face, which is pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they sit the kids down, and uh, Shannon starts crying, which makes Bowler scared. <laughs> <laughs> and Briscoe turns on the charm, like he does with all the ladies. Doesn't matter the age. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> it's pretty innocent, but he does have a way with all of the ladies, it seems. And, uh, and it seems like every kid he comes across, he always, every kid he comes across, he always has to have like a heart to heart, and you know, yeah. fix their lives. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially kids without parents, he relates. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Briscoe guesses these are, yeah, the kids are from Brooklyn from their accent, I guess. No way. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I spent 17 years in Brooklyn. Yeah. Neither of them sounded anything like they were from Brooklyn. Yeah. Especially not her. I don't think she was even trying. No, yeah. She was. But, <laughs> but uh, it, there's shoddy accents all over this episode. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the, the villains, I thought their Irish accents were good. The only one that was bad was the guy that was supposed to have a bad accent. Mm. Well, even the ones that were, you know, not supposed to be bad, they weren't great. They weren't, yeah. they weren't horrible, but. For instance, the main guy was born in Texas. The main bad guy. <laughs> uh, so, um... Well, I may be used to Angel's Irish accent. I may be grading well, them on a curve. Yeah. <laughs> Almost anything is better than that one. Uh, so, yes, uh, they get the, the whole story out of these kids. Uh, they're, they've inherited their uncle's mine, and they have to get to San Francisco and sign for it by a certain date, I guess. Uh, their parents are dead, 
and um, so uh, Briscoe wants to help them naturally being the hero <laughs> um, and oh they're also warned about uh, a guy named Wolf who's out to get the uh, the fortune out from under them the guy who used to run their orphanage maybe is that it yeah. Yeah. yes yeah that's yeah. Cool. And uh, so Briscoe wires ahead to Socrates to warn him uh, that this Simon Wolf guy might attempt to do this. And we cut to uh, to San Francisco, and Socrates meets the uh, this guy who's posing as a Traherne, part of the family of Shannon and Tommy. What do you guys think of this scene? I was just like Bernard, it's Bernard. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Um, this was accent keeps changing or yes. something. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, Bernard from Lost, uh, Holland Manners from Angel. Um, but yes, he's got a horrible accent. He's not fooling anybody, especially not Socrates, who I guess knows something of Irish. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Irish Is he of Irish ancestry? Is that what they're implying? I don't know, but he certainly picked up on it right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knows a bit of Gaelic and everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I like how I like this scene. This is a good scene for Socrates. He he stands up to this guy and even openly mocks him. You know he's not his usual cowardly self here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I guess he thinks he can take him in a fight. <laughs> uh, well, in this place, Sock Sock is in his element because he's the lawyer and he's actually doing lawyerly things. True. True. Uh, so this uh, this fake Traherne has a bunch of papers, but. That won't do him any good if the kids show up on time. Um, so outside, uh, Simon Wolf has left the lawyer's office, and he runs into a guy named Billy Monahan, whose boss wants the uh, the deed to the mine. And uh, he ends up killing Wolf, and that was really quick for <laughs> for that character. Yeah. I was surprised yeah. he died. So <laughs> no, they set up this whole backstory for him, and he he died less than five minutes later. Um, so what do you think of these villains uh, compared to other villains we've had? Yeah, they're not the best, but yeah, they're just there. Yeah, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of like them. This guy is easy to hate, and that's that's good for a villain, I think. Yeah. He's pretty despicable. despicable. That's true. And, and I like that they were wearing suits. I thought it was a nice change from the cowboy getup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was funny seeing them ride through the brush and like the the outside of the cities in their suits. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, so then we cut back to our heroes traveling the uh, trail. Uh, Tommy's telling them the story of uh, their family was on a ferry which sank and uh, their parents died and the rest of their family broke up and they got sent to an orphanage. And uh, so yes, boo-hoo sad. Um <laughs> so much sympathy. Yeah, I can't stand children in TV shows. I don't. Know. Yeah, they got zoned out during this session, so I had no idea what happened <laughs> to the parents. The only children in TV shows that I can actually stand for some reason is uh, the Game of Thrones kids. <laughs> what you mean, like Joffrey? <laughs> Even Joffrey, I love Joffrey. <laughs> I just I like to see how bad he'll get. <laughs> but like, yeah. Well, I'm I'm so, somewhat famous for not being able to stand children in TV shows, but uh, I do like Mercedes McNabb. I think she's great at being 
you know, humorous and pathetic all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she wasn't given a lot to do in this episode, but... Yeah. I think Tommy was easy to dislike because he was just one of those annoying kids who thinks he's, like, more independent than he, like, I don't know, right. can be, really. Yeah. I'm an adult. <laughs> uh... Hint, if you flip a coin, you'll get some decisions right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Briscoe's worried about these kids, about what'll happen when they do get their money. He's worried about rats coming out of the woodwork, trying to steal it from them, and Bowler's trying not to care. <laughs> um, Briscoe and Bowler have a little chat about their moms, who they both lost at a young age. Oh, they're bonding. Yep, more <laughs> bonding. Um, so Briscoe talks to Shannon around the campfire about her locket, puts the charm on again, makes her feel a bit better. You know, you look like your mom. Your mom's hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit awkward. Yeah. And uh, then it's sleepy time. And they uh, Bowler wakes up, and uh, it's Briscoe. He's coming out of the woods. The kids stole the horses again. And uh, in the morning, they uh, track the horses. Uh, Comet's got this under control. He's <laughs> he's been going in circles apparently. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. And leading leading them through bees and skunks. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and Briscoe wasn't too happy that Bowler heard him snap a twig, but didn't hear the kids gallop off with the horses. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, Bowler at that time was in his deep sleep. Yeah. Sleep. <laughs> His beauty sleep, yeah. <laughs> but yes, the kids have been sprayed by a skunk. Uh, Shannon's happy to see Bowler and Briscoe, but they don't want to get kid uh, close to these stinky kids. Uh, and we cut to Socrates doing research, uh, and he gets some help from a clerk with a photographic memory. This is a fun scene. Yeah, like the, there's a few one-off characters that are just memorable because they have these quirks, you know? <laughs> yeah. If you're going to have a one-off character, give them a quirk. <laughs> and it'll make them interesting. Um, so, yes, he's going through all the, the old newspapers, and the, the clerk knows... He has got he knows where every... Pretty much anything you could ask him, he knows what paper was in, where, all that stuff. Including the women's underwear ads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Socrates is disturbed. Uh, it's not the only time he's disturbed in this episode. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and uh, so he finds out from the newspaper about the ferry captain who uh, was piloting the ship at the time. And uh, we cut back to everybody else, and Bowler's making a skunk spray remover mixture. <laughs> I forgot to write down what was in it. Anybody write it down? There was some pond mud some eucalyptus leaves and a few herbs as well as I think some secret ingredients oh right yeah the secret ingredient was frog spit probably like it was frog spit (laughs) oh yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, how do you (laughs) how do you even go about collecting frog spit (laughs) squeeze them I don't know (laughs) Uh, but the kids hate the outdoors and uh, Briscoe and Bowler enjoy it (laughs) uh so Briscoe is talking to Tommy about his plans, trying to reassure him, but Tommy's completely untrustful of adults, thanks to Simon Wolf betraying him. And uh, then we cut back to Socrates. He's on the docks searching for the captain, and he runs into a guy named Roy Shimamura. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, this guy's got tons of credits on IMDb, but I didn't... Yeah, he's like one of the longest listings I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. How many does he actually have? Did you check the number? No, I didn't. Uh, I'm going to look right... Oh, they're not numbered, are they? No, I thought they were. But, um... Is, his, but, as an actor, he has 259 credits. Yeah, there it is, right. But a lot of it is voice work, too, so... Yes, yeah. I was trying to see if he rivaled Christopher Lee, who has, like, 400-something. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting there. <laughs> He's not nearly as old, I don't think. Um, <clears throat> this was also a fun character. Right. Yeah, yes. fun thing. Bringing sushi to America. Coming thing, yeah. Yeah. You guys like sushi? I do. Oh, yeah. Yes. Good. <laughs> you all have, you all have taste. Yeah, well, sake. you can all stay on the podcast. Yeah. Socrates's facial expressions when he was trying sushi and sake were just perfect. They were. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they fed him real stuff. <laughs> it looks real. It probably wasn't that much uh, wasabi on it, though. But yes, the first one he tried had way too much wasabi, and then he spit out the hot wine. <laughs> uh, you can get a uh, you can get sake cold or hot. What do you guys prefer it? Cold. cold. I've never I've never had it cold. Mm, I like it hot. Yeah. Uh, and, and fifty dollars in nineteenth century money. Wow. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. For two pieces of sushi. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow! Yeah. Hadn't quite uh, worked out the pricing of the sushi yet. Yeah. But it's not far off from the truth. Sushi's damn expensive. True. <laughs> yeah, but that that's probably thousands today. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just the coming thing, you know. Sushi's yeah. expensive. Um, but from this guy, he gets the location of the uh, the uh, fairy. fairy. Yeah, I'm trying to remember his name. I don't think. Boggs. Yeah, Boggs. Yeah. Doesn't matter too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the sushi sushi guy also did a John Wayne impression. <laughs> It was very strange. <laughs> yeah. um, that was a very random coming thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then we cut to Socrates in an alley for old drunk dudes. And he finds the, uh, the captain, Franklin Boggs. And he's, he's trying to get him to repent <laughs> for, <laughs> for killing all those people, I guess. Uh, after some pushing, he gets, uh, he gets a little nugget of information about a woman on Knob Hill who's in a mansion with two iron horses. That's all he gets. <laughs> I thought this was a really strange scene. It was just so unnecessarily dramatic. Yeah, yeah. The, line, this... the line Socrates has, you mean? Well, just all of it, like the atmosphere and the mood and plus their lines. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like... Redemption. Yeah. It was kind of like a some sort of high school play or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. May God have mercy on your soul, Franklin Boggs, or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Um, it, it was also at this point I kind of realized it was it's really nice to have Socrates' adventure in parallel to Briscoe's and Bowler's yeah. but Socrates is being like more independent and you get to see them both kind of doing their thing yeah and his adventure doesn't suck I kind of mm-hmm. I almost like his adventure more <laughs> than yeah. Briscoe and Bowler's this week there's a bit more mystery to it yeah and just the people he runs into are more more interesting yeah all the one-offs are good yeah uh, then we cut back and uh, Shannon's asking a lot of questions and she's reminding him of that reminding me of that home alone neighbor kid. <laughs> <laughs> Does this thing have four wheel drive? <laughs> I thought it was really nice because we still see you know she's just a little girl despite this big adventure and... mm-hmm. yeah they're putting up with their questions all right <laughs> and uh, Billy Monahan shows up on the trail with his Johnnies. 
which is the name for all the guys, all the goons who work for this their boss, Mr. McDowell from uh, Brooklyn. And uh, Mr. McDowell apparently wants to help because uh, Tommy's going to be an up-and-coming businessman. And uh, Billy kind of tries to belittle Tommy into making the decision that Billy wants him to make. <laughs> um, and he appeals to his need to be an adult by you know, referring to him as Tom instead of Tommy and such. <laughs> and, uh, but Briscoe sends the kids to the next town. And as soon as they're out of the way, uh, the Johnnies pull guns on Briscoe and Bowler and get the drop on them, which happens a lot in this show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're marched into the woods for their execution. <laughs> what did you think of how they escaped? I thought that was pretty lame, actually. It was. <laughs> it was. Yeah, coming thing, I guess. Well, uh... A coming thing? <laughs> what? Oh, the, when they were shot. Yeah, but, <laughs> the bulletproof vest, whatever. Yeah, but even from the beginning, which is when they hit them with the branch. Come oh, branches, okay. the, pun, the puns and the branches. Uh, you're going to knock down three guys with one branch? <laughs> I don't know about that. But yes. And then they were lucky enough, as you said, not to get shot in the head rather than mm-hmm. in the chest. Yeah, well, Briscoe apparently knows that these guys always go for art. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. <laughs> But at least we had uh, Bowler put up a fuss about it. What if they shot me in the head and all that stuff? What if they yep. missed? Yeah. Chapter two is called Top of the World, Ma. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Just a vaguely Irish saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, they found some art garden implements and uh, they put shovel heads under their shirts. And they get shot and they fall face down in the water. Right, and as usual, the villains don't stick around long enough to make sure they're actually dead. Yeah, they even give them their guns back. Let's just throw these guns in the... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, uh, so they're fine. And we cut back to the kids, and uh, Shannon wants to go to the sheriff like Briscoe had told them to do, but uh, Tommy doesn't want to, so she leaves. And uh, Tommy joins up with the Johnnies. And again, Billy's playing up treating Tommy like an adult, and they go into the bar together to uh, ogle some ladies and get drunk. Um, and we go to Socrates, who's looking for this mansion, and he sees a lady... Or no, he goes to the, goes up to the place with the... What was it? Two horses? Yep. Yeah, yep. two like iron horses on the gate or whatever. And uh, the lady of the house... Uh, has, hasn't left there in 20-some years, so that's obviously not who he's looking for, but the housekeeper says something Gaelic as he leaves. <clears throat> and um, then we cut back to Briscoe and Bowler, and Bowler doesn't want to ride double. <laughs> <laughs> this is an awesome scene. So cute. Yeah. But apparently cowboys do it all the time, according to Briscoe. Sometimes it's just a necessity, you know? Mm, yep. Um... Shannon uh, tells them where Tommy is uh, in the bar there. So Briscoe and Bowler go backstage, and they're threatened by some dancers. <laughs> what did you think of this whole thing? I was so expecting at least Bowler to dress up, and, and probably Briscoe too, <laughs> in belly dancer outfits. <laughs> just, just with the scarves covering their faces, so you couldn't tell who they were. But <laughs> and hopefully their bellies. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I was a little disappointed that they didn't. 
Yeah, but Bowler kind of had the same thought that I did when they pulled the guns out. Like, <laughs> where'd you where get those come from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but yes, the, so they tell them their complicated story, and like, that's, apparently that's good enough. They believe them. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you just say so? Uh, so they help them, dis- uh, the dancers help uh, Briscoe and Bowler distract the Johnnies, and then. Our heroes grab Tommy back and uh, bring him out of there, except he breaks free and runs back to the Johnnies. <laughs> oh, I hate this kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Johnnies catch Briscoe and punch him in the gut several times. Then Tommy realizes the errors of his ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll stop punching him if you cooperate. Um, then we go to Socrates meeting up with the lady, the housekeeper. And he guesses she may know the Treherns, I guess. And he doesn't know she's their mother right away until she says it. And uh, he tells her her kids are alive, so that's kind of surprising. Um, In the wagon, um, Tommy wakes Briscoe and apologizes for being a jerk. And uh, Briscoe assures him it's not over yet. Um... Billy takes Tommy into the lawyer, gets the deed, and then he's going to make him sign it over eventually. That's the plan. I've got to say, the lawyer who handled this transaction, like, I think even at the beginning of the episode, he seemed a little bit negligent, not doing his due diligence. Mm -hmm. At least when he's, like, signing over something to a kid. I don't know if they had a legal age at this point in this area, Mm -hmm. but it just still, it just seems a little sketch that he's just like, oh, I just want to get this off my hands, you know? Oh. Yeah. I think Harold. I think Harold, our list, our uh, feedbacker Harold, might be a lawyer. Maybe he has some thoughts on this. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, that guy. That guy didn't seem to have much awareness of. He didn't have much situational awareness. <laughs> I don't know about what was taking place. You know, between the lines here. Um, so he, uh, Tommy, gets the deed, and uh, the Johnnies are taking Briscoe somewhere to kill him, and Bowler saves him. And then uh, Briscoe and Bowler find Billy, and um, Tommy frees himself, and uh, our heroes give chase, and there's a gunfight. Exciting? Not exciting? It was pretty exciting. Yeah. There were some, like, you know, the funny fight moments, like Bowler punching through the... When he punched the carriage to the guy's face, that was... Yeah. That was a fun one. Uh... Briscoe follows Billy up some stairs and it, it comes to fisticuffs and Briscoe beats him and it, Billy pulls the old villain give up and then attack <laughs> and he kills himself mm-hmm. like any good Briscoe villain he kills himself <laughs> yeah so Briscoe doesn't have to do it yeah the, the safest place to be a Briscoe villain is that Briscoe shooting at you yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> in a fist fight, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna impale yourself on something, or step off uh, a high place, well. or sink into quicksand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Briscoe's always killing dudes by accident. Um, then back at the lawyer's office, I don't know why they went back there. Uh, the kids are saying thanks to Briscoe and Bowler. And uh, Socrates comes in with their mom, and there's a reunion. And Socrates says uh, he's, he'll tell them his interesting story, and 
the end. I, <laughs> I just breezed through this episode. Yeah. It sounds like it wasn't so interesting for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it wasn't one of my favorites. <laughs> um, so speaking of that, I'm going to rate it. Uh, is everyone else ready with ratings? Yeah. Yeah, I'd, there's kids in it that immediately <laughs> took points off. Um, just just the, the whole story itself it wasn't wasn't appealing to me. I don't know. We didn't get enough moments between our, our main characters, Briscoe and Bowler. And we did get some good Socrates stuff, so gets points for that. Uh, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10 failed attempts at Irish accents. Whoever else wants to go can go. Yeah, it was okay. The child, the storyline with the children, just I just kind of snoozed through a lot of that. But mm-hmm. Socrates was okay. And, I don't know. I gave it seven out of ten bulletproof vests. Okay. Uh, Caitlin, I like this episode. I I thought it it wasn't wasn't bad. Um, I really, really enjoyed Socrates' storyline and how they had it running in parallel with Bowler and Briscoe's, like I said. And I thought the story was pretty fun. You know, it's it's kind of a generic story, but uh, it was it was still in lots of little things to enjoy in it, like, you know, the skunk and the, mm. the Bowler and Briscoe moments where they have a little bit of bonding. And even though, you know, Tommy was a little bit annoying, I thought the characters were good in themselves. So I'm going to give it... 8 out of 10 skunk rides. <laughs> Alright. What do you think, Bob? I'll give it 8 out of 10 very expensive plates of sushi. <laughs> um, the basic story was kind of an average Briscoe episode. You know, the villains were nothing special or whatever. Um, I love Mercedes McNabb, so I actually raised it a bit for that. I couldn't stand Tommy, but he was about the only thing in the episode I really couldn't stand. And to me, this was Socrates' best episode. Yeah. He did just about everything right. Uh, he was heroic all the way through. You know, he was wisecracking. His little side encounters with the other characters were good. And for once, I was very happy for him. Yeah. I wonder what your brother would have thought of this. <laughs> That's going to be very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't think he sent us feedback in a while, so I don't even know. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, fi- I'll find out. I know we normally can't stand Socrates. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, I do see one from him. Never mind. Okay. Um, all right, so high points and low points. What do we think? Anybody jump in there? High, high uh, point for me was Socrates eating sushi and sake. Okay. <laughs> all right. My high point was just how much Bowler hated children. <laughs> I don't know if it was children per se he hated. He just doesn't like helping other people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what about you, Caitlin? Um, I'm gonna be a sap and say the high point was the when the mother and the children were reunited. Okay. As soon as you said sap, I started typing reunion with... (laughs) (laughs) There were a lot of things I liked about this episode, but I just want to be a little different here. Yeah. Uh, Mine would be uh, Socrates mocking Simon Wolf openly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, So my uh, low point's going to be Briscoe and Bowler escaping Johnny's. In the forest. Or just escaping Johnny's, I guess. 
Lame escape. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Alright. What's someone else's low point? My low point is going to be Tommy running away after Briscoe and Buller save him in the harem place. Alright. Yeah, my low point was just Tommy's rebelliousness and how it kept getting in trouble. This is kind of along the same lines. Alright, you guys want to combine again? <laughs> combine forces! Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too, because for me it was every minute Tommy was on screen. <laughs> okay. Megazord. Okay. <laughs> uh, Alright, uh, well, now Caitlin's pandering for votes from Seamus. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Uh, who's got a quote or two? Uh, I'll go. Uh, I've got uh, one from Socrates. What is that? Saki, my favorite wine. But it's hot! Good idea, huh? No! Everyone's a critic. <laughs> I've got one from Bully here. Did I ask you to wet my nose? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was... That punch sound uh, sounded pretty powerful. It didn't even, uh... It was a, it was a, a big, loud sound effect, but it didn't affect him. <laughs> he's, he's got a face of steel. Yeah. I have one from Bowler. Children should be seen, not heard. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't have time to write anything down, but I like this when uh, Briscoe asks Comet where the children were, mm-hmm. and Comet points them out. Briscoe says, he told you all that? Briscoe says, well, it was an easy question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> That's about my only quote. I had one. <laughs> Anyone else got runners up? I because I enjoyed the Socrates and the Boggs scene so much. I'll give one from that. It's when Boggs says, "Redemption? There's no redemption when you've got one foot in hell." <laughs> uh, did you guys have any other notes from the episode that I like? I zoomed through and you didn't <laughs> get out. Any poignant thoughts? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay, uh, we'll move on to feedback then. <clears throat> All right, first one's from Harold. I'll just download it here. And here it is. Hi, guys. It's uh, Harold. I'm calling in with my thoughts on Brooklyn Dodgers. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm a downer once again. Uh, this time, uh, I, I was very frustrated because this was an episode I really liked at the beginning, and it just did not fulfill uh, the possibilities of its premise. I mean, the idea of these orphans who are fishes out of water, they're not uh, used to the West, they're struggling on their own uh, to try and make it cross-country and claim their inheritance, and uh, you know, not having family, there, there's a lot of potential here, and I feel like they just uh, blew it. Uh, you know, starting with the uh, characterization of, of the boy and the performance that was... Uh, you know, he just wasn't anyone you wanted to root for. I mean, how many times can he ditch Briscoe? And you know, I grew up in Brooklyn, and I'm old, but I, I'm not that old. I, I wasn't around in the 1890s, but I really don't think anyone back then had, had that accent, which, as it was, kind of changed from time to time. It was it was really uh, very distracting. At, at least the girl didn't attempt to do an accent. Uh, and I, I just didn't buy the Comet, who uh, seems so well trained, and we have these wonderful scenes with Comet, 
and yet uh, Comet twice lets these kids get on him and uh, ride off. Are you kidding me? And uh, especially the one time where they have a camp, are you telling me that Briscoe and Bowler are going to be in such a deep sleep that they wouldn't realize that Comet is being stolen or that Comet wouldn't make such a noise when they attempted to steal uh, her again that, 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 that she wouldn't wake them up? Uh, it's just ridiculous. Um, and uh, the, the shovel scene also really bothered me. Um, you know, first of all, you knew right away once they ran past all those abandoned shovels, you knew that uh, they were going to use it as, as armor. Uh, but it, ma- it makes no sense, and I feel like it's a crutch uh, for the writers to just have uh, Bowler uh, comment on how ridiculous it was uh, as a plan. Um, you know, there's just so much uh, that you can you can uh, excuse away by have, having characters acknowledge the ridiculousness of your plot. I mean, at least they're acknowledging it, but it doesn't doesn't erase it. And, and it's a golden opportunity for uh, in this situation because these Johnnies are they're uh, city boys. They don't know anything about the Wild West or or uh, the forest or anything like that. Briscoe and Bowler are experts in this terrain, and they should have been able to use their uh, expertise uh, to adva- to great advantage and uh, you know be able to at least get, you know get away from them. Um, and, and finally, I, I just felt like the ending should have had a more more of an emotional impact for me than it did. Uh, and I feel it's like they didn't establish to mom what was and and and, and uh, the relationship, and maybe you just don't care about that 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 brat kid. So I'm giving this five out of five fortuitous abandoned shovels, and talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Bye. Five out of five, perfect score. <laughs> 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 I think you mean said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't blame you for not liking that one, Harold. Um, he said it would have got an extra point if the kid was named Pee Wee. I'm not sure why. <laughs> it's not a reference to something about Pee Wee's Playhouse. I don't know. He was well, it, it may be that uh, Pee Wee Reese played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Oh, okay. I don't know sports. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, this one's from Matt A. Hey, use mooks. You guys enjoy this episode as much as I did. Eey. First thing I have written down is Mercedes McNabb. This episode gets a 10 out of 10. <laughs> not, not really, but uh, it was a lot better than last week, so you guys can relax. I'm not going to trash this one. It was fun seeing Briscoe and Bowler play chaperone to those kids. Especially Bowler, who had all the faces this episode. He does not like children. Briscoe, meanwhile, enjoys playing Big Brother to these types. Uh, remember Nevada Coop? And then last week we had Whip. And now it's Tommy! Hey, Tommy! From the neighborhood! Hey, you know me! It's like he collects these, uh, he's collecting strays. I, I have this hope. I'm just imagining in the future, oh, I want this to happen. I want Briscoe to go evil, and then he has his own little posse. Oh, Briscoe, you used to be such a nice guy, but now you're just surrounded by all these uh, tough no-goodniks. Hey, Vio Picada. <laughs> Socrates meets the most interesting people. He uh, met that nerdlinger in the library who has memorized the location of all the underwear ads in the newspaper. Uh, no thank you, I don't want to know you <laughs> Gross And there was uh, the drunk guy 
And then, so Sushi Guy talks like John Wayne, which is, that was strange. But he's actually the hero of this episode because he reunited the mother with her kids. So, good for you, Socrates. You win this episode. Oh, but, oh, here's something else I wanted to have happen. When they were in the saloon and the ladies from the Yip podcast show up, <laughs> and I don't actually, um, I don't know what the Yip podcast sounds like. I've never listened to it, Tammy. Sorry. Um, I don't even know how to spell it. Matt, how do you spell the Yip podcast? <laughs> Y-I-P. And why do you pee? <laughs> uh, anyway, I thought for sure that they were going to uh, dance, but Briscoe and Boulder were going to put on those clothes and they were going to dance. I started laughing hysterically, and then I'm like, wait, wait, where is it? Why isn't it happening? Why are they just standing behind the curtain? Oh, missed opportunity. That would have been the best scene ever. Oh, they blew it. Yeah, this episode was uh, much better than last week's. More original plot, better side characters that weren't just totally annoying. I mean, the Elvis guy, uh, forget about it. And this episode wasn't stuffed to the gills with bad puns, redundant, and uh, too many coming things. I think we had sushi. That was about it. So this one was pretty good. Uh, I guess I'll give it 8 out of 10. Briscoe County Junior Homes for Wayward Boys. And I want them all to sing and dance, like the cast of Newsies. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Too bad Mel wasn't around to appreciate that bad pun's redundant line. <laughs> yeah, she would agree wholeheartedly, yes. Uh, yeah, we just don't like the same things lately, Matt. <laughs> and this bizarre of us. Yeah. yeah. And his feedback reminded me that I dislike Tommy even more than Whip. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right, so do you want to read your brother's, Bob? Uh, where is it? It's in the Skype chat. Okay. Let's see. This is from Victor. Hi, Victor. <laughs> in this episode, we learned that it's not a good idea to make fun of Bowler's hat. It's okay to punch him in the nose, but don't make fun of his hat. <laughs> Briscoe and Bowler meet two orphans who do their best to drag this episode down. Three Irish thugs from Brooklyn are trying to steal the kids' inheritance, and they aren't typical villains, at least not for this show. Unlike Pete and some others, they don't concoct elaborate traps or schemes to kill Briscoe. They just shoot people. Oof. Another unusual ep- aspect of this episode is that Sophocles actually made himself useful. With the help of a librarian who had a photographic memory, Sophocles is actually the one who finds the kid's mother and saves the day. As long as Sophocles is working in the big city and not out, of the tra- not out on the trail, he isn't completely hopeless. But I still like the librarian better and would prefer that he be a recurring character. Oh, no, he's gross. <laughs> <laughs> he is gross, and I did like him. <laughs> We also meet a culinary entrepreneur who may have established the first sushi bar in America. But most impressive of all were the dancing girls who managed to conceal very large guns and very small outfits. On the whole, this episode had its moments, but overall it gets seven annoying kids out of ten. Regards, Victor. Thanks, Victor. All right. uh, Here's one from uh, Robin. Anybody want to read Robin's? I can read it. Okay. Alrighty. Wouldn't wouldn't it have been amazing to see that Briscoe was also talented at baseball? This title was misleading. <laughs> Imagine if Briscoe had to assemble a team of good guys to go up against Bly in a game for the orb. Huh. 
you'd have the professor using some scientifically engineered bat, Buller arguing and kicking dirt at an empire, Socrates riding the bench but looking at stats, <laughs> Dixie Rections unnerving the pitcher by blowing a kiss, Crystal Hawks knocking out the catcher for making a crude remark, Sheriff Viva singing the national anthem, and Comet catching the ball in the outfield, winning the game. Best episode ever. I like your episode better. <laughs> yeah. Instead, we get an episode about a couple of teens with shaky accents from Brooklyn. Dodging the bad guys? I guess. My episode was better. <laughs> this wasn't bad. Hard Rock was a tough act to follow. We had Lil Harmony, who looked more like... More like... Uh, who looked more Laura Ingalls than a vampire cordette. <laughs> <laughs> she was adorable, though, and Holland Manners gets better at lying once he joins Simon, Wolfram, and Hart. <laughs> and how about that kid who was acting like Daniel Lavrasso? The whiny pre-karate kid Daniel. Hmm. Oh god, now I'm imagining how amazing a fight between Mr. Miyagi and Shonuff, the Shogun of Harlem, would be. Epic. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Off to right baseball-themed martial arts fanfic. Bonsai. <laughs> Sent from my thumbs. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Robin. Thank you, Robin. Okay. Um, last one here is from Seamus. Uh, he says, Sushi plus sock equals perfection. Also, tell me that kid in the episode doesn't look like Super Mega Force Red Power Ranger. And he uh, attaches <laughs> attaches a picture, and yes, he does. <laughs> uh, I'll just put the picture in the chat for you guys. Tommy Traherne, Power Ranger. <clears throat> uh, okay, so here he is. Hello, intro to Briscoe. This is Seamus coming to you with his thoughts on Brooklyn Dodgers. Oh god, I'm glad I'm not late getting in this feedback. I totally thought it was late, so I'm glad. Good. This episode, oh, Briscoe County Jr. Kids and shows like this? Not okay. Not okay. But you know what? Those kids were annoying as hell. But you know what? <laughs> All the other parts of this episode brought it up. The action was top-notch. We haven't had some just good, solid act. Not like any kind of weird sci-fi-ness, but action. Lots and lots of action. And, of course, the invention, quote-unquote, of the bulletproof vest with shovels. And them talking about how, why don't they shoot them in the face? I mean, that's true. That's pretty much true. And let's talk about the real winner of this episode. The scene with Socrates and the future sushi. Oh, yes. Anachronisms are my favorite part of this show. Oh, God, this show is fantastic. I don't really have a lot to say, but those kids were annoying. And the one kid, the the, the boy, looked really scarily like a guy named Andrew Gray, who stars in the newest Power Rangers seasons of Power Rangers Megaforce and Power Rangers Super Megaforce. He looks like a weird pretty boy model thing, but in this episode he has a horrible <laughs> accent, so no. And also I love the guys, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but like the gangsters or whatever had broom handle guns and... Were they invented by then? I'm not like an expert. I'm surprised I even know that, that that's what that gun is, although a slightly modified version of that gun is what Han Solo uses in Star Wars, I think. Please, gun fanatics out there, correct me, please. But, yes, and I love the Irish accents and ridiculousness. I think they were Irish accents. Or Brooklyn. I'm not really sure. I think it was both. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But, regardless, <laughs> sushi is amazing. Oh, you know that scene barely has anything to do with the rest of the episode, and you know what? Who cares? Because it's fantastic. Oh, this show. If I had to rate, if this was a food, oh, come on, it's sushi, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, definitely a whole. But the problem with sushi is, like, you need, you can't just have, like, one thing of sushi. You need to have, like, a whole bunch, because otherwise it just doesn't fill you up. And who wants that? The answer is no one. So you have to get, like, an all-you-can-eat buffet. 
So, and there are things that you ignore at the All You Can Eat Buffet, like the kids in this episode. Ah, pulled it all together. All right, so until <laughs> next time, faithful to intro Briscoe County Errs, Ha Yeah! Which is actually a line, the Ha Yeah came from us making fun of Troy and Megaforce. So it all comes together. See ya. Okay. Wow. Thanks, Seamus. Seamus needs to start a food podcast. <laughs> Whatever town you're you're from, Seamus, you need to review all the restaurants. <clears throat> um, so that's all of our feedback. Thanks, everyone. Um, all right. So, and the next episode is called Bye Bly. What's that about, guys? Bye Bly. B Y E B L Y. Bye bye Bly. <laughs> no, it's not a Backstreet Boys song. <laughs> or was that? It's like saying bye bye baby Bly. Damn it! <laughs> I should know this. I, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go expand that a little bit, and then we're gonna we see a baby Bly, and then <laughs> as it's it's gonna be like a Benjamin Button episode, and somehow he gets out of the orb, but then he regresses and like gets younger and younger until he finally just like poofs and disappears. Ah, uh, okay, oh. that's one. <laughs> What's uh what do you think, Will? Um he starts a boy band. <laughs> it's the coming thing. He goes back he goes to the nineteen nineties and starts a boy band God. with Bowler and Briscoe. Oh, can you imagine a boy band with Billy Drago in it? <laughs> oh my god. He's got the he's got the eyebrows for it. Worst idea ever. <laughs> uh okay. Um. So plugs, uh, Bob. Thanks for joining us. What do you uh, What do you have to plug? Uh, I'm one of the hosts of Clone Dance Party, which is an Orphan Black intro cast. Uh, Caitlin was our guest on the first episode. We've submitted it to iTunes. It isn't there as we're recording this. I suspect by the time it re- is released, we should be in iTunes. And in about a month, I'm going to be one of the veterans on Shane Poole's intro cast for the old Patrick McGowan series, The Prisoner, which is called In the Village. Nice. Both of those have Facebook pages or groups. If you search for Clone Damp Dance Party or In the Village, you'll find them. That's a pretty short series, isn't it? The Prisoner? Yeah, Prisoner's 17 episodes. Oh, I thought it was short. Watching along. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Will, what's going on with you? Ah, yes, we're down below for Babylon 5. We're about a third of the way through season two. It's moving right along. It's starting to get good. And maybe in January, a Sarah Connor Chronicles intro cast. Sweet. Looks like the plan. Yeah. Matt. (laughs) Yep, I'm, I'm committed. Unless I get scared and change my mind. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, they just had Evil Chekhov back on Babylon 5, which made me very happy. Yes, there are tons of prisoner references on Babylon 5, I've heard. Well, oh, I know, oh, ab- but... <laughs> absolutely, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, I guess I can throw in a plug, too. I just put out a new episode of the Twin Peaks podcast reviewing the Missing Pieces uh, Blu-ray that came out, and... Since the series is renewed for a third season in 2016, I guess we'll be back to review those when they come out. So, oh yeah, look forward to that, everyone. Fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time for Bye Bly, where 
Lie will come back and then de-age all the, all the way down to a zygote. <laughs> all right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. All right. Well, that was, a, that was probably record time. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, folks. Be sure to tune in again in two weeks' time for the next exciting episode. In the meantime, please be so kind as to follow along with us and send your feedback to introbrisco at gmail.com. If you'd fancy to, you can join our discussion on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash introbrisco. Also, we're on them newfangled Twitters at introbrisco, and we've got one of them fancy blogs at introbrisco.blogspot.ca. three gifted singers who have all kissed the Blarney Stone. Ladies and gentlemen, the Leprechaun Brothers! down the drain? What's that? The luck of the Irish. Oh! <laughs> <laughs>